just come and it's like, all right, we'll try some stuff. So, uh, yeah. Fish? No. Scallops? No. Check, check, check. Okay. You do not like seafood. And also, I didn't have those funny
Greetings, people loved by God. Welcome, everybody, for worship on this third Sunday after the Epiphany. Uh, for those who are watching online or listening on KFUO Radio, you may go to our website, which is chapelofthecross.org, and under the resources tab, you can click that and you will find a bulletin so you can follow along with this service. Or uh, There's also a tab there for giving, so if you would like to give your offering to the Lord, just click the Give tab and you can, you can do that there. Got a few announcements to share with you before we begin worship today. This month of January is when we especially focus on life issues and, on, and the sanctity of life. In fact, today is when churches across the nation are celebrating Sanctity of Life Sunday, and we are doing that today. Our life team here at Chapel has prepared a display table in the Commons area. Hopefully you saw that as you walked in today. I invite you to take a look at the information on that table. There's also a few things on there that you can take with you. Uh, please also check out the Life Team Art Fair, which is located in the Life Team Library near the Prayer Chapel. So uh, go over there and check out that, and, and we do thank those who provided artwork to be displayed on this Sanctity of Life Sunday. Helping Hands Food Pantry is in need of a, uh, of a, of a number of food items uh, as, as they serve the people in our, in our community. I have this listed in your chapel weekly, so you can remember that, but just let me verbally say it's uh, the things that they need especially are canned fruit, canned pastas, and peanut butter and cereal. So those things are in great need right now. If you can purchase some of those items on your next trip to the grocery store, bring them back to church and put them in that, in that um, grocery uh, shopping cart over there by the office, that would be a great blessing to the people in our community. So thank you very much for doing that. The year-end contribution statements are now available in the Commons area at the Welcome Center. There's a box there with those in them. Uh, they are in alphabetical order by last name. So if you wouldn't mind just uh, looking through there and taking yours home with you today, we would appreciate that. If you don't do that, we will mail it to you. But but this way, it's a little better. As, uh, if you pick it up, that saves the church a stamp. And as you know, stamps are uh, getting more and more expensive. So it's good stewardship to pay, take your contribution statement home with you, and we appreciate you doing that. And, and we do thank you for your good stewardship here at Chapel of the Cross this past year. Please put on your calendars our annual silent auction and trivia night in support of our, the youth here at Chapel of the Cross this year. Uh, that's going to be Saturday, March 2nd. Uh, sign up to attend. There are participant sign-up sheets uh, both for individuals and for teams. Uh, those are located at the Welcome Center. So put, put, put that on your calendar. Trivia night, Saturday, March 2nd. Our elder for this weekend is John Rogers. Uh, John is going to be greeting you. He's over here standing up. He's going to greet you at the door as you leave today. Get to know John as one of your elders here at Chapel of the Cross. God's blessings to you as we worship together this morning. We stand and share the peace of our Lord with one another, after which we will sing our entrance hymn together.
Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed are they whose sin the Lord does not count against them. Let us confess our sins to the Lord. Almighty merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed what we have devised and desired in our hearts. We have offended you and sinned against your holy law. We have done those things that we should not have done, and we have not done those things that we should have done. Have mercy on us, Lord. Spare us, forgive us, and restore us according to your promises in Christ Jesus. God our Father has forgiven all our sins. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Redeemer and Savior. Jesus paid the penalty for our guilt by His death on the cross and freed us from death by His resurrection from the grave. We have peace with God now and forever. Amen. Lord, our God, 
Your word summons us to discipleship. Give us grace to relinquish control of our lives so that we may serve you only, faithfully fulfilling our part in your plan for the world. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated for the readings. The Old Testament reading is from the third chapter of Jonah. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them from the greatest to the least put on a sackcloth. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. This is the word of the Lord. A reading from Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, Even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is at light to you. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days adorned me for me were written in your book before one them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them!
The epistle is from the seventh chapter of 1 Corinthians. What I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them, for this world in its present form is passing away. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand for the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, 
Follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. At this time, we would like to invite the little children to come forward for the children's message. morning everybody how are you all today good like your matching shirts it's awesome and matching pants <laughs> good to see you this morning guys um, I brought something with me today to show you it is a list Have you ever seen a list you've seen lists so see this that's one list. See this? That's another list. Do you know what this, this is? You see what it says on top? Baby boy names. And that says baby girl names, right. So this is kind of fun. This is, this is well, not just a list of names. There's 50 on each list. But it's what each name means. So did you know that your names mean something? Yeah, so that's kind of neat. In fact, I was looking through this, and there's some really kind of neat names. So there's uh, the name Amel. Have you ever heard anybody named Amel? I've heard Mel, but not Amel. You know what that means? It means power of an eagle. That's kind of fun. Yeah, there's, uh, there's uh, a name called David. We've heard that name before, haven't we? That means beloved. Yeah, there's um, Ezra. There's a book in the Bible named Ezra, right? That means helper. What about some girl names? There's uh, Darlene. That means darling. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? There's uh, Eleanor. Hey, there's Eleanor. Where's Eleanor? That means, you know what it means? No, well, I'll tell you. It means bright, shining one. Sun rays. That's fun. Hannah. That means grace of God. So all these names, isn't that neat? that all these names mean something. So, so when, when Mrs. Lesh and I were, were having children, we'd look at lists like this. We haven't looked at a list like this in a long time, and nor will we ever again. But, <laughs> but when we did, when we were having children, we'd look through these names, and we would look for just the right name for our children. So we've got, does anybody know how many children I have? We've got five kids, yes. So the first one is named Theodore. And we named him Theodore, not just because my name is Theodore, not just because my dad's name is Theodore, it's because the name Theodore means gift of God. Okay? So then we had another boy. You know what his name is? Nathaniel. And you know what that means? It means gift of God, but it just means gift of God in a different language. So Theodore is gift of God in Greek, and Nathaniel is gift of God in Hebrew. And then came along Jacob. Do you know what Jacob means? It means deceiver. <laughs> we did not name Jacob because of what his name meant. We named Jacob Jacob because of who Jacob was in the Bible. 
And then Ezekiel came along. Ezekiel means the Lord is my strength. That's kind of neat. And then Zoe came along, and Zoe means life. So names are very important, and the meanings of names are pretty important too. Now, who do you think knows everybody's name? I mean everybody. Yeah, there's nobody except God who could know everybody's name. Yeah. In fact, he knows your name. Isn't that neat that God knows your name? There's a little Bible verse that talks about that. This is from Isaiah, and it says this. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, he who formed you, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. So he calls us by name. He knows every single one of us, even our names. Isn't that special that God would know that, knows everything about us? Yeah. Only God could do that. Now, today we celebrate something called Life Sunday, and it's a day that we celebrate the gift of life given to every single one of us, and not just us, but everybody in the whole world, and that God knows every single person, no matter if they're just born or if they're 100 years old or even older or even those who are not yet born. God knows every single person and he knows them by name and he loves them very, very much. He knows you by name. Even if somebody else wouldn't know your name, God knows your name and he loves you. Can we pray? Let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Dear God, thank you for giving us life and for knowing us by name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, thanks, guys. You can go sit down again. We uh, continue our worship by singing our next hymn.
Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Text for the sermon this morning is a portion of that Old Testament reading from the book of Jonah, the third chapter, especially this verse. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. In the name of Jesus, Christian friends, everyone knows this story. Even if you've never read through the Bible, you know, I would say even if you're not a Christian, if you don't know anything about what the Bible says, you probably know or at least are a little bit familiar with this story. And when you hear that name, Jonah, you think of that story of that man who was swallowed by the great big fish. And it's a story of a miracle, isn't it? It's a, it's a great miracle. I mean, if Jonah had not been swallowed by that fish, he would most certainly have drowned and died in the deep sea waters. But God, in his mercy and God, in his miraculous ways, sent that fish to save Jonah. And what a story. What a miracle. You know, when you think about the book of Jonah, that's often what we think about. What an incredible and gracious miracle that was. But I don't think that that is the biggest miracle in the book of Jonah. There are, I believe, in fact, two bigger miracles in the book of Jonah than being saved by being swallowed by a great big fish. The first bigger miracle is shown in that short verse I spoke a minute ago. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. And we all know what happened when the word of the Lord came to Jonah the first time. God says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. That was the, the capital of the city of the Syrians. They were the most powerful empire in the world at that time. And Jonah, this little lonely prophet from Israel, he is supposed to go to this incredibly wicked city and he's supposed to proclaim the message of destruction that God has and what he's planning for the people of Nineveh. And Jonah says, uh-uh, no way. They don't like me, and I don't like them either, so I'm not going to go to Nineveh. I'm going somewhere else, anywhere else, preferably in the, in the opposite direction. And that's what Jonah does. Jonah gets on a boat headed for Tarshish, and he tries to run away from God. He completely disregards and disobeys God's word, God's calling, God's command. And we all know what happens. God sends that storm. And Jonah admits finally to his shipmates that it's his fault that this storm is hitting them, is about to destroy them all, and he's thrown overboard. And the same God who sends that storm to knock a little sense into Jonah sends that great fish to save Jonah. And it swallows him. And for three good days, he's in the belly of that fish to think and to contemplate and to pray. And then that fish spits him out on the dry land. So what happens to Jonah when he disobeys God's word? What does God do to Jonah? Well, I tell you what he doesn't do. God doesn't send a, a lightning bolt down from heaven to obliterate Jonah, though he could have. God doesn't send a fire to wipe Jonah out, wipe out his family, though he could have. He didn't send a shark to eat Jonah in that deep sea water and chew him up and 
had to give him a nice lunch. That God doesn't do that. No, we're, we're told that after God saves Jonah by directing that large fish or whale or whatever it was to swallow Jonah up, and after God directs to that fish to spit Jonah up on the dry land, we're told that the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. That is an incredible miracle. It shows that our God is the God of the second chance. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. In effect, God says, you know what, Jonah, we're going to start all over again. <laughs> we're going to forget that ever even happened. We're going to begin again. I'm going to give you a second chance. <laughs> what an amazing God we've got. Because we've got a God who forgives and a God who restores. We've got a God who renews and we've got a God who forgives our sin and remembers them no more. That's what he did for Jonah. And that's a much bigger miracle than what happened with God sending a great big fish. But that bigger miracle leads to an even bigger miracle. Jonah begins that journey to Nineveh to proclaim God's word to the Assyrians. Now, the, these people, these Ninevites, it was widely known they were, they were very, very wicked people. They were people well known for their cruelty, for their brutality in warfare. Their reputation had sprung terror in the hearts of all their, all their surrounding nations, including the divided kingdom of Israel. In fact, the northern part of Israel eventually was swallowed up by the Assyrian conquerors. These were Jonah's mission prospects. I mean, it was a city of people renowned for their wickedness and for their cruelty. There were worshipers of a, just this array of different idols the prophet Nahum later writes this. He describes Nineveh as a bloody city all full of lies and plunder. I mean, they're a barbaric people. Can you see why Jonah was a little reticent to go to these people and preach God's words to them? But Jonah goes because the word of the Lord came to him the second time. And he gets to this great city. It's just very, very large city, 120,000 people, it's estimated, that, that was the population there, which is a very large city in that day. Such a big city, it took him three days to walk from one end of the city to the other. And as he's walking those streets of Nineveh, we're told that he simply spoke one sentence. He's a preacher with a one-sentence sermon. <laughs> Can you imagine that? As he's walking in that city of Nineveh, he just says, 40 days and Nineveh will be overturned over and over again. That's all he preached. And lo and behold, every single person in Nineveh responded to that sermon. All 120,000 citizens of Nineveh, from the least of them to the greatest of them, including the king, responded. They put on sackcloth and they sat in ashes and they repented before God. They got down on their knees and they cried out to God, begging for his mercy, begging for his forgiveness. And that's exactly what God gave them. He had compassion on them. Did not destroy them. The city of Nineveh was saved. And by God's grace, they turned from their sin and God forgave them their sin. <laughs> that is a much bigger miracle than Jonah being swallowed up by a great big fish. What a great God 
who gives Jonah a second chance to go and do the work that he has been called to do. Jonah didn't deserve that second chance. But that's exactly what God gave him. (laughs) What a great God we've got. And what a great God that he would give Nineveh a second chance, as evil and depraved and as cruel as they were. And the people of Nineveh did not deserve a second chance. But that's exactly what God gave to them. What a great God we've got. Our God is the God of the second chance. It's a a big miracle that Jonah was swallowed and saved by the great big fish. It's a bigger miracle that the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. It's an even bigger miracle that the people of Nineveh, 120,000 souls were saved. God saved them. He did not destroy them in their city. Because our God is the God of the second chance. If you doubt that, just ask Simon Peter. Peter, remember, denies his Lord, swearing and cursing that he doesn't know the man. Then the rooster crows, and Peter realizes his sin. After his death and after his resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Do you remember? Do you love me, Peter? Then feed my sheep. You can still work in my kingdom because he's the God of the second chance. Ask the woman caught in the act of adultery. She's about to lose her life as her accusers pick up stones to kill her. And Jesus says to that crowd, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And one by one they leave. Jesus says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He's the God of the second chance. Just ask little Zacchaeus. Remember him? Hated by everybody because he's a cheat. He's a scoundrel because he works for the Romans. He takes a little extra for himself. But Jesus says to him, Zacchaeus, I'm going to stay at your house today. And Jesus shows love and he shows compassion and he shows forgiveness. And then he declares, today, salvation has come to this house. Why? Because our God is the God of the second chance. If you doubt it, just ask the thief hanging on that cross next to Jesus. That man is dying there because he deserves to die there. He deserves no grace, no love, no mercy. But listen to Jesus. Today, you will be with me in paradise. He's the God of the second chance. And what all of that means for you and for me is just a reminder of the biggest miracle of them all. Because you and I are not a whole lot different from Jonah and we've disobeyed and we've, we've disregarded God's word and we've gone our own way and we've done our own thing. Tell you the truth, you and I are not a whole lot different from the wicked people of Nineveh even. 
Those people who turn their back on God and they deserve nothing but destruction from the Lord. That's what we deserve. Not even all that different from Simon Peter or the woman caught in the act of adultery or Zacchaeus or that thief hanging on the cross for that matter. You and I, in fact, are chief of sinners, as that hymn says. Chief of sinners, though I be. And we confess as much in our liturgy as we confess our sins together. I, a poor, miserable sinner. We are, by nature, sinful and unclean. We have sinned in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. And we justly deserve God's present and his eternal punishment. But what does God do to you and to me? Well, I'll tell you what he doesn't do. He doesn't send a lightning bolt out of heaven or a fire or a shark or anything else to destroy us. He sends his son, Jesus, to save us. He comes to give us a second chance and a third chance and a fourth. It's the biggest miracle of them all. On this Sanctity of Life Sunday, we experience that miracle so clearly. God comes to you and me and he says, I love you so very much, fully, unconditionally, completely, so much so that I have given you a wonderful gift, the gift of life. And that life is not just this temporary, fleeting, transitory kind of thing. It is eternal, everlasting, endless. It is a gift given for love and because of love. It is a gift given even though we at times are the chief of sinners. Out of love, he gives us a second chance. God says, you know what? We're going to start all over again. We're going to forget that ever even happened. We're going to begin again. I'm going to give you a second chance through my son. And it doesn't matter what the sin is, whether it's pride or arrogance or anger or hatred or selfishness or self-righteousness. God says, I'm giving you a second chance on account of Jesus. And so God sends Jesus to save us. And this Jesus who was born in Bethlehem and adored by the shepherds and praised by the angels and worshipped by the wise men, this Jesus, he grew up and he lived a holy and a perfect life. And then he went on to die a perfect death for you and for me. Gave up his life on Calvary's cross, taking all of our sin on his shoulders. All of those times when we have disobeyed. All of those times we have disregarded him and his word. All of those times we have gone our own way and done our own thing. And he takes those sins on himself and he dies for them there on Calvary, cleansing us completely by his bloodshed. And then in his love, on that third day, he rises from the grave to give us the gift of heaven gives to us the promise that we will live with him forever. I mean, what an amazing God we've got. Because we have a God who forgives and a God who restores. We have a God who renews and we have a God who forgets our sin and remembers them no more. And that 
is an incredible miracle. In fact, that is the greatest miracle in the Bible. It's a miracle of the second chance. And it's a miracle that is all yours. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand as together we confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. You'll find that on page 8 in your bulletin. Together we confess. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, who was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. We pray for those who are lost in the darkness of sin and death and those to whom we have been sent to proclaim the gospel of salvation and the way of truth. Lord, teach us to fish for people, give boldness to our witness, and open the hearts of people to the gospel. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. Ever-present Lord, be with your church on earth and the congregations in their work to serve and praise you and to be nourished by your word and sacraments. Bless those you have called in roles of leadership in your church, that they faithfully speak and live your word of truth. Continue to raise up servants and leaders within your church for your work and mission that many more may know you and follow where you lead. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are in positions of leadership in our world, especially our president, the Congress, judges, the governor, and the leaders of our communities. Heavenly Father, give wisdom to those who lead. By your loving power, help them to rule with justice tempered with mercy. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord and giver of life, we look to you for the strength to stand up for life in all stages, from the moment of conception until that time when you, when you close our eyes in death. Use us to give voice to the defense of life. May the leaders of our nation and state whom you have charged with the responsibility of protecting all citizens, take it as a sacred obligation to defend the defenseless, to support the weak, and to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of comfort and peace, be present with those who face 
various needs in mind, soul, and body, especially Marion Tyson Moore, Mark Openlander as he is now in hospice care, and Audrey Lutke as she recovers from surgery. Grant peace, Lord, and healing according to your will. For those who live in doubt, fear, and distress, extend your call of grace through your word and those who proclaim it. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who mourn the death of a loved one. Give your comfort and peace, Lord, especially to Peggy Eggers and her family upon the death of her daughter, Kelly Lama, this past week. Give to them strength to meet the days ahead and sure confidence in your fatherly care. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We thank and praise you, Lord, with those who have cause for rejoicing, especially Audrey Lutke and her family as she celebrates her 96th birthday this upcoming week. Continue to lead, guide, and bless her. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated as we gather the offering for the Lord.
Please stand for the offertory. Almighty God, we thank you for teaching us the things you want us to believe and do. Help us by your Holy Spirit to keep your word in pure hearts, that we may be strengthened in faith, guided in holiness, and comforted in life and in death. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Taught by our Lord, and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. We continue with our recessional hymn. 